Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by SJL General Contractors. SJL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931 933-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. I got to shadow some guys in a sniper class one time. Uh, We we do an in-house two-week SWAT school when we get new guys on the team. And part of that training is they get cross-trained with some principles of marksmanship. Uh, The difference in shooting a sniper rifle and and, and shooting uh, the entry weapons is the difference in close quarter combat and taking a long distance precision shot. And, And that involves, you know, learning how to manipulate a scope, learning how to dial in the distances they call doping a scope. And, and once you get outside of a certain distance, everything matters. And I heard the instructor, Marcus Hendricks, uh, repeatedly tell this group of young men, if you do the same thing the same way, you get the same results. And if you're not getting the same results, then you're not doing something the same way you did the time before. Now, Marcus is a little more articulate than I am and offers some more descriptive language. We call that the military upgrade, and uh, we don't include that in the uh, Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. With that in mind, I got invited to be the guest of a gentleman at his hunting club. He's an older gentleman that, that I have gone to church with, and he invited me graciously to come and be a guest on, on this nice piece of property that they have. And so I drove out into the uh, early morning darkness and backed my truck into the pre-appointed place and waited in the dark and finally saw his lights bouncing across the road. I followed him into a field, and then he stopped and got out and opened an iron gate, and I followed him through the gate and we rendezvoused there with our vehicles, and I got out my hunting pack, and I got out my rifle, and I put my uh, headgear on, and I was getting ready, you know, dressed kind of light, and, and to walk up the hill, and then once I got into my hunting place, you know, I was going to put on warmer clothes, and I usually hunt in a climbing stand, so I take a stand with me that tight buckles to a tree, and then you climb up it. And he goes, no, 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 we, we've got a stand for you to hunt in. Oh, okay. Would well, kind of show me where on the map it is, and I'll walk up there and find it. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it, this hill's too steep for you to walk up. You, you're going you're gonna to ride up with me on, on my four-wheeler. You've got to understand, this gentleman is a, is, a, is a jewel of a gentleman. He's kind, and he's polite, and he's loving, and he's benevolent. But he's got a reputation at church as being just a little bit eccentric. Maybe eccentric to the point of squirrely. And now, I'm going to ride on the back of a four-wheeler with this guy. I watched him drive his truck into the property. 
and now I'm going to ride on the back of a four-wheeler with him. Well, I get onto this four-wheeler, and we start up this massive hill, and it is an intermittent mix of whiskey throttling the four-wheeler and stopping at the steep spots and then just giving it all the juice you can before you attack the obstacle. And I'm thinking to myself, this is how I die. And actually worse than dying is going to be this thing going to roll over on us and cripple us. And I'm going to be paralyzed. I'd much rather die. But we made it to the top. I survived. I had calculated one time in my mind, could I get my pistol out and get around in both of us if this thing starts to tumble down the hill so that we wouldn't suffer very long. But anyway, we get to the top. We get off the four-wheeler. I'm tempted to kiss the ground, and we walk down this trail beside this little pond, and then he shines the light onto this tree and says, there's your stand. And lo and behold, there's a hunting blind, a fully enclosed sides, bottom, and top attached to a tree. But now this is not a, a platform stand like you're used to seeing built out in a greenfield or, or even, you know, boards incorporated into it. This is a telephone booth stapled to a tree. There's, there's no cross bracing. There's no underpinning. This is a birdhouse for people attached to this tree. And I look at it and I go, this is a death trap. Every ounce of my ropes course instructor training, my rappel training, my risk management training for working in the adventure education area looks at this thing and says, you do not want to get into the box of doom. There's this homemade ladder made out of two by fours that leads up into this thing. And and now there's the point of of politeness. There's the point of civility. There's the point of, do you look at this kind gentleman and go, there's no way I'm getting in that. Or do you just swallow your pride, make peace with your maker and climb into the box of doom? Well, that's what I decide to do. Normally when I hunt off the ground, in my climbing stand or in a, a lock-on stand, I've got a safety harness on and I attach myself to the tree so that if something unfortunate happens, you have some way to arrest your fall. There's nothing here. When this thing falls, as the old joke goes, I'm going to ride it to the ground. So I get into this thing and, and, and I'm a little out of my rhythm now. Normally, I have a certain way. I do the same thing the same way every time I get the same results. Well, for whatever reason, when I get set in this box, unconsciously or consciously, I chamber around in my bolt-action rifle. And this, this, the box of doom is not really large enough to move around in good. I don't know how a normal-sized person sits in it. I'm a pretty compact little guy. But, but I'm here, and I'm trying to maneuver my backpack, and I'm trying to go ahead and, 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 and put some things in the corners. And I've got way too much clothes on to, to be inside this box because it's going to get stuffy. And there's really not even room to prop your rifle. So I've got my rifle on my thigh loosely held and I'm trying to organize some stuff and I don't know if it was something on my jacket 
I don't know if it was, it was a tangled up backpack strap there in the darkness, but somehow, and I've only had two negligent discharges with a rifle in my entire life, and this was one of them. And sitting there in the dark with this .30-06 stock sitting on top of my thigh, I fired this rifle. Now, if you've ever sat inside an enclosed telephone booth and shot a rifle, the first thing that will happen is you will be stunned out of your OODA loop. The world ceases to function for just a moment. The light and the sound, you just, you just freeze. It's like being hit with a flashbang. And then the pain comes in. <laughs> Because a thirty out six is not a small caliber rifle, and when you fire one, you need to be holding it tight and squeezing it against your shoulder. And if it's not held tight, snugly against your shoulder, you get the full wrath of the recoil. And so the shock stunness goes away, the pain comes in, and you say to yourself, "I've broken my leg." I've broken my femur. I'm, and you can't get in the floor. It, it's too small of a place to lie down and ride. So you're just sitting here in the box of doom trying to contain your pain. Now, the, the gentleman that I'm hunting with doesn't hear very well. And he's walking off into the dark. I see his headlamp. He never even checks up, never even turns around. So I'm here suffering from my own embarrassment and my own pain. And if I'd have just done my routine, do the same thing the same way, every time you get the same results. As as it turned out, I didn't get the same result. I murdered myself with this blunt trauma impact to my leg. I don't know how many rifles I've shot. It it would be impossible to count the number of times I've fired a rifle. We learned the principles of marksmanship with a Daisy BB gun that we bought at the dime store in Oxford, Alabama. Actually, I think we bought them at the newsstand in Oxford, Alabama. And these little rifles that have a lever action, but you're so small, you can't run it like the rifleman did. You have to sit it on the ground, grab the handle, and 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 bring it into place. And they shot with a spring. I think they're spring-loaded because they're not a true air rifle. They're not pneumatic. And that's how we learn to shoot. Now, my brother, a much better shot than I am, if he had my eyesight with his ability to hold a rifle steady, there, there's no telling what he could do with a rifle. Uh, he used to shoot bumblebees with his uh, BB gun. When he had a broken leg in his adult years, uh, he was lying in my mom and dad's house with a, a, a full leg cast. And he's lying there on the bed, and a, a bumblebee crawled in through the air conditioner window. And he had these visions of being trapped and immobilized on this bed, and this bumblebee crawled into his boot. And so he used a crutch and freed a real pellet gun, a pellet gun that I'd bought when I was in high school and, and left it at home when I went to college and tracks this bumblebee until he kills it to make sure it doesn't get in the cast and sting him. Uh, now, the dresser that the bumblebee was climbing has pellet impacts where he had to shoot a few times. He's not as good a shot when he's on pain medicine, but he can outshoot me. Uh, he and my dad 
and and I would go out and shoot when we were young, and Dad would 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 put a stake in the ground, a piece of rebar, a piece of metal, and then we would back up and shoot it. And if you if you dinged it, you'd back up five or six more steps and shoot again. And every time you dinged it, you could back up, and we would do a three man tournament. I was always out early, and and I would have to spend you know part of the the shooting adventure standing there for what I considered to be an interminable amount of time while my dad and my brother shot this stick at ridiculous distances. But I grew up shooting a rifle, and I've shot all kind of rifles. Uh, I've shot all kind of calibers of rifles. I've shot all kind of platforms of rifles. I started out with my BB gun and moved up to the the twenty two uh, caliber rifle, a twenty two short bolt action that my grandfather had. Uh, I've shot semi automatic twenty twos. I've got a little bolt action twenty two that is the exact model of my thirty alt six. There, they look just like each other, but one's a, a mini me of it. Uh, I've got a Ruger Precision in 17 caliber. I've shot several people 17s. I love that round. I've shot some black powder rifles, a 30 out sixes, a 458 Win Mag, a 300 Win Mag, a 4570, a 3240. I've shot the different kind of platforms. I've shot the AK 47, the Kalashnikov. I've shot the Colt M4. We shot a Bushmaster. Uh, HK MP5. I've been allowed to shoot an M24 sniper. Uh, the old, old rifle that uh, SWAT used to carry, their marksman used to carry, was the Remington XB40 and 308. Uh, I've even shot the new Nemo sniper rifles. I've shot the M16A1. I've shot them in liver action, bolt action, pump, rolling block, uh, open breach, and lots of AR platforms. My climbing partner, Troy, builds some AR guns, and I've shot those. Uh, I've shot the Colt M4 uh, model there. Uh, Now, remember, AR stands for Armalite rifle, not assault rifle. Uh, AR is a a term uh, that refers to the ubiquitous black rifles based kind of on the original predecessor, probably the the M16. And I've shot those guns with, with open sights. I've shot them with scopes, with aim points, with EOTEX, uh, with lasers, with red dots. I even got to shoot one time with a SINRAM night vision scope. And I've shot them on single shot. I've fired them with three-round burst. And I've fired them fully automatic, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. Uh, I've learned to, to take a gun on full auto and squeeze off a single round. I've shot in live fire shoot houses. I've shot in CQB, close quarters combat uh, scenarios, and I've shot courses at 600 meters. Now, the, the people who are really, really, really good shots tell me that anything, you know, under 1,000 yards is intermediate shooting. You know, 500 to 1,000 is intermediate. I consider 500 and out, you know, pretty good, pretty good distances, pretty good shooting. <laughs> the Marines... At Cherry Point, when I spoke at at their at a church out there, uh, told me that 500 yards with a scope was an insult because they shot regularly at 500 yards with open sights. Uh, as a Marine rifleman, Marines have different standards, and Marines will will be Marines. Uh, we got to shoot at uh, a place called White Feather, and White Feather was this uh, farm in Tennessee that they dedicated just too long distance shooting 
and and they hosted the SWAT team to give us kind of a, a tour of the place and let us see what they did there. And uh, I, I got to shoot a uh, Bagheera rifle with a spotter. And, of course, you know, we were on the ground shooting prone, had a bipod, and they were calling distances and wind values and would tell you how many clicks to use on your scope to adjust and how many mill dots to, to move over to uh, uh, calibrate for the wind or adjust for the wind. And I was shooting 21-inch targets at 725 yards. Now, to me, that's a pretty long shot regardless of what my expert friends say. You know, seven football fields is a long way away to be hitting a small 21-inch target. The most interesting shooting that I've ever done was as part of a vertical access school. I got it. I, I was allowed to attend kind of like a rappel master class as a civilian. Uh, this class was being offered, uh, would, would certify with like the Homeland Security Level 1 vertical access. And, and I kind of function as the rope guy for our team. We, we call it the de facto repel master. And there's several guys on the team who have been to air assault school and, and they're just as competent as I am. But, you know, since I don't have any other real function on the team, they let me be the rope guy. But uh, I was allowed to go to this class. And, of course, you know, I knew we were going to repel, and that we are going to do Australian repelling, and we were going to do the, the what they call the rock marine or the inverted or the, what I call the spider drop. I knew we were going to do repels where we repel down and retrieved our own ropes. I knew we were going to do river crossings. I knew we were going to repel in the urban environment. I knew we were going to repel in the wilderness. Part of what they told us to bring was body armor, a helmet, a flashlight, night vision if you had it, a rifle, and a pistol. And I just thought maybe we were going to get a range day. What I didn't realize is they were going to put us on top of this rappel tower in full kit, sling a rifle, have a pistol, rappel off this building, and at some point the instructor was going to tell you to lock off. And you had to stop your rappel and choosing any one of a number of methods, tie yourself off so that you could go hands-free and then pull your rifle and engage targets downrange, transition to your pistol, engage targets, repel to another level, transition to another rope, repeat the same exercise, and shoot with your offhand. So if you're right-handed on one shot, you're shooting left-handed on the other. Very unique situation in body armor in the August heat, rappel down this building, and while you're tying yourself off and you're getting ready to shoot, they're pouring water on you from the top. Really, really challenging exercise. But when all is said and done, if you do the same thing, the same way, you get the same results. See, when all is said and done, shooting a rifle, standing, sitting, kneeling, prone, moving forwards, moving backwards, moving sideways, or swinging on a rope is absolutely the same. Good form, sight alignment, target acquisition, cheek weld, breath control, squeeze the trigger, don't slap the trigger, follow through, reacquire your target, and repeat. The circumstances had nothing to do with what it takes to shoot smooth or shoot accurate. 
Now, probably extreme cold or extreme hot, depending on how you zeroed your rifle, would have some, some mild effect. But if you control you, if you do the same thing the same way, you get the same results. And the principles of shooting a rifle should not be affected by the circumstances. But the circumstances, the heat, the cold, the rope, the wet, the height, the water, the weight of the body armor, and the heat, they became excuses for not using good rifle discipline. You see, when you get into the, that place where you have to, to choose to do what is right or what is comfortable, it's very easy to default into comfortable because what is comfortable feels good and what feels good gets repeated. And so that's how you get these little flaws into your form, whether it's a golf swing or a pistol platform or shouldering a rifle. We do what's comfortable and what's comfortable gets repeated. But really... Truly, the circumstances have nothing to do with what it takes to shoot smooth and accurate. I, I recently read an article on civility, an article on being polite. And, and I guess if you take the word civility and, and, and you throw out the ideas of political correctness or, or, or the attempt to be woke and just use civility with some common sense, Civility sums up what we would consider to be spiritual maturity. The Bible calls it uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and basically, fruit is what a tree produces when it is mature. So spiritually mature people produce these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those principles, those ideas of spiritual maturity really boil down to some pretty basic things that are independent of heat, cold, wet, dry, daylight, dark, comfortable, uncomfortable, familiar settings, unfamiliar settings. Those principles are required regardless of circumstances. And if we allow circumstances to change those principles, we get different results than looking spiritually mature. We get different results because if you do the same thing the same way, you get the same results. But if you let any other outside factor cause you not to do the same thing the same way, you'll get different results. The basics of interacting with people with self-control and spiritual maturity are not contingent on the actions, attitudes, behaviors, or beliefs of others. A person who is loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, or gentle theoretically should be able to exercise those principles of self-control no matter what circumstances we are called upon to execute those principles and those attributes in. If you do the same thing, the same way, you get the same results. 
Now, results aren't that people will act differently. The results are that we will behave differently. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive Spiritual Development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and in, that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Thank you.